Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our contemplation this morning is the Epistle Lesson, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. We read these words again in the name of our Lord. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. He made the two groups one by destroying the wall of hostility that divided them when he abolished the law of commandments and regulations in his flesh. He did this to create in himself one new person out of the two, in this way making peace. He did this to reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by putting the hostility to death on it. He also came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. You have been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you too are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. These are the words of our text. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we have gathered in your house to hear your holy word. We pray that you would speak to us through it, dispel our doubts and fears, and reassure us that through Jesus' blood we have peace with you. Assure us then that in him our sins are forgiven, that you love us, and that one day we will be with you in heaven. Sanctify us then by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In Christ Jesus, who shed his blood to redeem us and buy us back to God, dear fellow redeemed, Mr. Gorbachev, tear this wall down. President Ronald Reagan famously spoke those words on June 12, 1987 on the west side of the Berlin Wall. The Berlin Wall marked the great divide between Western democracy and communism. For 26 years, it divided the city and families as a bold statement of that divide. It took about two years But the Berlin Wall was demolished. Piece by piece it was torn down so that today it's a fading memory. Well, there is a greater wall that has been abolished much further in the past. We are so distant from it by time that it's really hard for us to grasp the divide that it caused. That wall 
is God's law given to the people of Israel. It divided the Jews from the Gentiles and God from man. Today, as we consider that wall and continue our sermon series, we're going to see that that wall has been abolished by the blood of Jesus. So we then are united through Jesus' blood. Paul explains that the dividing wall between Jews and Gentiles was the law. Now, for those of you that are being confirmed, I need to take you back to your catechism days and ask the question, what are the three types of law that God gives in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament? The three types of law are moral, civil, and ceremonial. The moral law, as summarized, say, in the Ten Commandments, is binding upon all people of all times. The civil laws that God gave to the people of Israel govern society and, for example, prescribed punishments for certain crimes. The ceremonial law regulated the religious life of the Israelites and told them when to celebrate certain religious festivals, religious rites that they had to go through, sacrifices that had to be made, dietary laws, what they could eat and drink and what they couldn't eat and drink. All those things were the ceremonial law. Particularly that ceremonial law separated the people of Israel from everyone else. God had placed that law around the people of Israel to protect them, to keep them as His people. The idea was to keep good things in and bad things out. But unfortunately, the Jews looked at that law given to them by God and their status as God's chosen people and they often became arrogant. They thought that God had chosen them because they were in some way special inherently. They forgot that God chose them by grace and set them apart for a very special purpose, not that they themselves were special. God had set that wall of the law around them so that He could protect them and that the Savior could be born through them. But in their arrogance, they thought that they were better than the uncircumcised people of the world. They didn't just look down on them because most of them were unbelievers. They despised them. They thought of them and called them dogs. 
the Jews despised the Gentiles. But that was reciprocated as well. The Gentiles hated the Jews. There was constant hostility between the Jews and the nations around them. All because of this wall that God had set up. Now the wall, as I said, represents God's law. And Paul makes it very clear that in our text that Jesus abolished this wall in His flesh. Jesus came to live a perfect life under that law so that the law would be satisfied. In particular, in our text, Paul is focusing on that ceremonial law. And Jesus pulled that law down by keeping all of the ceremonial commandments. We often forget this. But consider the first blood that Jesus shed for the salvation of the world. It was to fulfill the ceremonial law. At His circumcision, He poured out His blood to begin tearing down the wall of the law so that there would no longer be a divide between Jew and Gentile. The Bible makes it very clear that Jesus lived a perfect life, fulfilling every one of God's commandments. So we would say all three types of laws Moral, civil, and ceremonial. So that the law could be destroyed and no longer a barrier between people and between God. Now the pain that it took Him to destroy the moral aspect of the wall was much greater than mere circumcision. He had to take the guilt of everyone's sins. See, Jesus doesn't just save us by living a perfect life under the law. He has to suffer the consequence of the law that was on us. Paul wrote to the Galatians, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For curse, it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. See, God's law doesn't just tell us how we are to live and what we are to do and not do. It tells us that if we break that law, we deserve to die. To truly tear down the wall that divided us from God. Jesus had to take that curse upon Himself. I doubt you got up this morning thinking, by nature, I'm cursed. But you are. Because of your lies. Because of your lust. Because of your greed. Because of all of the ways that you have failed to love God and your neighbor perfectly. 
God's law curses you to death. You deserve to die. But Jesus, Jesus came so that curse would not fall on your head, but it had to fall somewhere. And so he said, let it fall on me. Let me take the guilt of all of their sins. Let me bear the consequence of the law in their place so that they can be free. That's what Jesus did. Paul says he did it on the cross in his flesh. Jesus took your guilt into his own body and suffered what you deserve and what the whole world deserves because of sin. So that now the law is destroyed. All of its righteous commandments and requirements are met by Jesus. And all of its cursing and punishment have been satisfied by Him too. Because He poured out His blood to death so that we could be forgiven. That is what Jesus has done. That is history. But now the question is, what does it mean? What does it mean that Jesus has torn down this dividing wall between men and between Men and God. Peace. We have peace through the blood of Jesus. Jesus told his disciples, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. In our text, peace is a constant theme says he pe preached peace to those who are far away and peace to those who are near. It flat out says Christ is our peace. God wants you to have peace. But what does that mean? What does it mean to have peace? One point in uh, my seminary training, we had a guest pastor come and speak to us. And he, in one section of his presentation, told us to make sure that we don't preach so strongly against any particular sin that we would make it seem unforgivable, that we would make it seem greater than all other sins. And he, as an example, gave abortion. He then went on to tell a story, of a real story of him visiting one of his members on her deathbed. When he went to her in the hospital, she was extremely troubled. She had lived most of her life in the church. But she had done something that was plaguing her on a deathbed. 
She knew that God could forgive all of her other sins, but this one sin, whatever it was, the pastor rightly didn't tell us. She did not think she could be forgiven. I'm going to guess from the context of his presentation that she had had an abortion. He shared many Bible verses with her on her deathbed. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Uh-uh. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.19 God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ Jesus, not counting men's sins against them. Uh-uh. It didn't seem to matter what verse He shared with her. That sin she pictured was greater than Jesus. Finally, he shared with the Romans 8 verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When she heard those words, she realized that God wasn't going to condemn her for any of her sins. That even that great sin in her mind was forgiven. She believed and died at peace. Is there a sin that is plaguing your conscience? Is there a sin that is robbing you of your eternal peace? Then listen to me. Jesus is a greater Savior then you are a sinner. There is no sin so great that the blood of Jesus can't sweep it away and wash it away in that cleansing flood. He came and He lived and died for you so that none of your sins would rob you of His peace. He wants that peace to dwell in your hearts and crown every one of your days. He wants you rising in the morning assured of His love and forgiveness. He wants you lying down at night and closing your eyes knowing that the guilt of the day passed is already gone. He wants you living in that peace. Because His blood has taken away the wall of hostility. God is not angry at you. God loves you. God is not going to punish you for your sins. He is graciously watching over you and will get you to heaven. God wants you to have peace. But there's another aspect to this peace that Christ has won. 
Paul tells us that we're no longer strangers and foreigners, but we're fellow saints and citizens of God's household. The peace that Christ has given us individually also reigns over the church. God's household, the church, is not to be divided. It's not divided by the circumcised and uncircumcised. It's not divided by the color of skin or the gender of the person. It's not divided by whether they're rich or poor, wise or fools, educated or uneducated, young or old. We are all fellow citizens of God's household. We are all one in the peace brought by His blood. So we're to live as one. We're to live as a family, forgiven and forgiving. Maybe there's a sin that someone has committed against you that is tearing apart your relationship. Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Jesus wants the peace that he has given you to be extended to those around us and especially to the household of God. So take his peace to heart. Be assured that your sins, as great as they are, are forgiven. That the debt that you owe God is paid by the blood of Jesus. And share his peace with others. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The Berlin Wall symbolized the great divide in that city and between the West and communism. But a much greater wall has been destroyed. Not by the pulling down of bricks, but by the shedding of Christ's blood. The law is abolished. All of its righteous demands have been met for you by Jesus. And all of the curse of death that it pronounced upon you has been satisfied by Jesus. So that you have peace. May God bless you and strengthen you in your faith. That you may live in that peace all the days of your life and forevermore in heaven. To God be the glory, now and forever. Amen. Please stand for the blessing. And now may the peace of God which transcends all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.